Hey, what's happening? Welcome to the Influential Communicator, the go-to podcast for your weekly dose of storytelling, speaking, and communication bullets to help you craft stories that sell and deliver presentations that win. I'm your host, Ravi Rajani. So without further wait, let's get into it. When I think of an influential communicator, I think of my good friend and mentor, Mary Alice Goldsmith. Now, she's worked for brands like L'Oreal. She was a successful speaker and entrepreneur for probably over two decades. And now she's the customer success uh, director, lead of the Speaker Lab. But more importantly, right, let's be real. She's a mother of three. She's a wife and a retired youth minister of her local church. Welcome, Mary Alice. What's going on? Hey, thanks so much for having me, Ravi. Yeah, I'm happy for you to be here too. But you and I both know that when we get talking, it ends up going on for hours. So specifically beforehand, Mary Alice and I were like, how long we got for this? Because we could we could chat for hours. But let's take it back for a second and bring it down to what this, I suppose, episode is all about. And it's all about how to own your self-worth and communicate your premium prices without imposter syndrome, which is a huge topic in the entrepreneurial space. But for those that maybe think the word self-worth is a bit woo-woo and they don't really know what it is, what is self-worth, Mary Alice? What is self-worth to you? Yeah. Like, as you were saying that, I'm like, you know, own your self-worth, but like also own your life, like own the space that you're standing in. It is a little woo-woo for some people, right? Especially I think for the men who are listening, they're like, ah, self-worth, give me a break. But honestly, like self-worth is really tapping into what is your purpose? What is your passion? What is your why? And how do you really honor that? And every decision that you make, you're stepping deeper and deeper into that space. And uh, your confidence is revving up. Your ability to see your purpose and why you're here on this planet is heightened. And uh, it really allows you to make decisions based on on that and really bringing who you're meant to be to this world. I don't think enough of us do that. Sometimes that also means saying no to more things because you're saying yes to yourself. And that is not always easy for people. But I think self-worth at the end of the day really is your your soul aligning to your purpose uh, for why you're here. And we're all here for a reason. Mm, I second that. I second that. My mom always likes to talk about the concept of soul contracts. Uh, you, mm. Have you and I spoken about this before? I don't think so. I don't think so. No, so she she always says, look, we were here, for, we've all been brought here for a specific reason, but every single interaction, everything that we do, it's us connecting the dots to moving us towards our higher purpose or what we're really focused on doing. So it's like everything really happens for a reason, but I digress. So what I'm curious to know is, is that for you, when it comes to self-worth, have you always had self-awareness? Uh, around this concept of self-worth or was there a specific moment in your career or life where you're like hold up hold up this thing called self-worth I need to own it yeah I don't think I've always had the concept of self-worth for Mary Alice per se but as you get older you fail failure definitely will make you wake up to your self-worth you make bad decisions you make mistakes even I'm not a big believer in regrets but we all fail. And I think through those failures, you start saying, oh, or seeing, if I only said no to that, then maybe I could have said yes to this, which would have catapulted me up to my next level. So I think it's this this process of growth, maturing, if you will, that you realize that if I don't see myself for the reason I'm here, my purpose, and I don't nurture that, then I'm never going to be who I'm meant to be Therefore, I can never give fully what I'm fully meant to give. And even more importantly, I'll always be unable to receive at the level that I'm supposed to receive. And so I think as you grow up and you you go through different things, whether that be, you know, your first breakup in high school or your first rejection letter from the college or whatever it is, right? Because every step in life matters. I think you start unfolding this awareness of hey, wait a minute, I need to wake up to myself. If I want the world to wake up to me, I need to wake up to myself and see myself. So I do think it's a process. I, don't, I think we're born with it at some level. Like there's mirrors in our life, right? You, you walk past a mirror, you see yourself, but this deeper awareness of self and self-worth is an unfolding process for most of us. And 
was there a turning point for you where you really woke up to it, especially as you entered the world of entrepreneurship? Was there a specific aha moment or was it gradual for you? Yeah, I would say, you know, I have three children, three boys that kept me quite busy. I was a stay-at-home mom for 14, 13, 14 years. And I remember putting my little guy on the bus, Sean, to go to mm-hmm. kindergarten. I followed him all the way to kindergarten with the video camera. <laughs> I was like, this did is you this is <laughs> I really did it. Oh, I was like, I was like so heartbroken because that's who I was. I was a mom, you know, and it, it, to this day, it's been my greatest role. Oh God. I'll let you laugh at me for a little bit, but yeah, I did that. Some moms can relate, maybe not a video camera. Yeah. Today would have been much easier with a cell phone. It's Um, It's funny. uh, Yeah, totally. I didn't have that back then, but uh, I'm really dating myself. I mean, we had cell phones. We just didn't have those fancy like iPhones with the cameras. Anyway, so when he, when I put him on the bus, I had this moment, this like aha moment, like, what the heck am I going to do now? You know, like my whole life has been about these kids. And now mm-hmm. this house is going to be empty for seven to eight hours. What am I going to do now? And that that really was a pivotal moment in so many ways of who is Mary Alice? Who does she want to be? How do I want to leave a legacy in this world? What kind of influence and impact do I want to have? I knew I was having that as a mom and a wife, like check, check. But then like when it came to her all alone, like what place was she going to take in this world? I really had to think about that. That was the moment when I did step into entrepreneurship because I didn't want to work for somebody else because I knew my children were entering into that stage where it was the most important time for me to be home and present. The older they get, the bigger the problems get, right? And so <laughs> I wanted to be available when, we got, <laughs> when they came off the bus from middle school and grammar school and kindergarten. And so I remember turning to my husband, who's super supportive, and saying to him, you know, I always loved health and fitness, working out, marathon runner, the whole nine yards. And I said, you know, I'm going to get certified in personal training, but I'm not going to go work for a gym. I'm going to turn our basement into a studio. And he was like, wait, you can't do that. I'm like, yeah, I can. (laughs) (laughs) Technically. Legally, probably shouldn't have done it, but I just was like in this place where I was like, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to absolutely go for it. And I, I knew I could do it. I knew I could be a great trainer. I know I connect with people. I love people. And I just did it. So I started training. I converted the basement into a gym, got little like equipment, dumbbells, barbells, the whole nine yards. And I started working out some of the moms that I knew from my kids' school. And that just blew up. Their friends, their sisters, you know, so on and so forth. Brothers, husbands started coming. I was doing like one-on-one training, group fitness. Yeah. I mean, it actually became something that I never even expected it to be. And my home became like Grand Central Station. I had people ringing my doorbell 5.30 in the morning, (laughs) all the way to like 8 o'clock at night. And um, it was like incredible for a long time. But then it was like, okay, wait a minute. This is my home. This is like out Mm. of control. (laughs) I was literally training from 5.30 in the morning till 8 o'clock at night, Monday through Thursday. And then uh, group fitness and one-on-ones like during the day on Friday. Yeah. But that wouldn't have happened if that I didn't own my self-worth in that and become an influencer in that area, right? If I was just like, oh, well, that's a that's an incredible thought or idea, but not now. I can't do that, right? If I said all those things to myself, I would have slowly backed out of that and I would have never had that experience. I would have never been able to influence people to live a healthier life and made an impact on their life. It's amazing when you put somebody on a treadmill, how you in two seconds become a therapist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? so yeah. I help people work through some serious stuff, cancer, potential divorce, children issues, right. you name it. It, it was, it's pretty profound. I always said, I'm going to write a book, um, treadmill talk. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good but, name. Um, That's a good name. Are you going to do it, it or not? Are you going to do it? I don't know. I, I think about it because- it was amazing how people would get on that treadmill and just be like, I'm so stressed out, you know, my husband and I, or my son or daughter, you know, if I didn't see Mary Alice for where she was in that time, 
right? There's a, a saying for such a time as this, if I didn't capitalize on that and pay attention to what her soul was calling for, that would have never happened. And I would have never been inspired to then further my education, which was to get certified from a, a doctor who had a special program for hormonal nutrition. Mm. And then I, then all of a sudden I have 50 women in my basement and I'm doing this whole presentation on hormonal nutrition. And they're just like, what? What is happening? This is amazing. So now I have people coming to me for their nutrition. I have people coming to me for their fitness. And I, I really became an influencer for women who were struggling in this way. And I thought, well, the online space was taking off at the time. And I decided to take all of this online. And I just dove in. I was a student of the online space. I learned everything about Facebook ads, YouTube. Well, Instagram wasn't a thing at the time, but Facebook was huge at the time. This was like 2012. And I just learned everything I could. And I was doing webinars. And from those webinars, I was putting people into my 12-week Radiate program where they would learn hormonal nutrition, fitness, and get one-on-one coaching from me, group component on Facebook. And then women started coming to me. How are you doing this? I want to do this. How are you, how are you building a business online? And so I started coaching uh, other women on who had the desire to build a health and wellness business using the online space. And so it's just, it's, again, it goes back to this, the ability to say no to things that will prevent you from seeing who you're meant to be in this moment and the ability to say yes to your bigger purpose. And I feel like that all happened in that pivotal moment of when I put my little guy on the bus and I was like, okay, Now you need to check yourself. What's your next move for you so that you can make an impact and have an influence in this world? And it's amazing how that one little decision of converting my basement took me all the way to becoming a business coach with a $15,000 a year mastermind for women to build businesses, women traveling from all over the world to come to my conferences here in Princeton, New Jersey for a two-day business retreat. And, uh, Yeah. And now I'm the director of student success for the speaker lab. So all of that wouldn't have happened. If you had never embarrassed Sean, then basically nothing would have happened. (laughs) Oh, by the way, Sean loved it. He was out the bus window waving to me. Really? Oh, my. Well, it was kindergarten, you know? It's true. He's still at the mommy, can I give you a hug, please? (laughs) <laughs> yeah okay gotcha yeah. gotcha i bet he still loves it now i know you're I, I know you're super close with your kids let's take yeah. it back ever so slightly before we move into this concept of how you went from charging what you were to charging fifteen thousand dollars a year for your services and some of the strategy and emotions that came with that but you said something interesting which was that moment made you realize that, okay, this phase of my journey, I was giving to everybody else. Now this next phase, I'm still going to do that, but I'm also going to do something for me. So there was a period where you had to take a look at yourself now, who you want to be in the future. And then that gap was the next stage, which was your purpose. But from a strategic perspective, if somebody is in the same space right now, they're at that crossroad and they know they're meant for more, and they can see their future selves, but how do they get there? What are some tactical questions or steps that somebody can do to plug that gap? Yeah, that's a really great question because there is a process and it is tactical steps and it's um, learning by trial and all of those things, right? So for me, all I could do is speak for me. I, I'm definitely not a per, you know an expert on this, but I did coach women on this a lot because to look, we could stay comfortable for the rest of our lives. I could have stayed home, did the food shopping, vacuumed the house, took care of the kids. That was like total comfort zone. Mm. But to step out of that comfort zone takes a certain, I won't say skill, I'm going to say mindset, but there is a skill to working with your mindset and perfecting your mindset. And so I think we often cloud ourselves with a lot of noise and we don't spend enough time alone. We don't spend enough time in silence. So For the average person, right, American, United Kingdom, doesn't matter where you are, we wake up, we turn on a TV or a radio, or we start talking, right? We get in our car, we turn on the radio, we get to the office, we're talking, 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 do a lot of talking. And we don't take enough time to be silent. 
And I feel like in that silence is where we get the most profound. I'll rift off what your mom was saying, but if we're going to have soul contracts, we have to have soul downloads. What's our soul downloading for the day? What do you need for the day to be the best version of yourself? And if we're not asking ourselves that question, we're never going to know what our next best move is. And I will tell you, in 2005, I started this practice in the morning where I just woke up and I sat completely still. The hardest thing to do, the hardest thing to do, just completely silent. There was no meditation music. There was no person walking me through this process. It was just completely silent. And the skill was anytime something entered my brain, a thought, I had to like breathe it away and just sit still. And that was a practice that took a long time for me to get. But eventually I was sitting there for 30 minutes in complete stillness. It was unbelievable. And I think it was through that process that led me from 2005 to 2008 to make this decision to go from mommy to entrepreneur. But that decision, that that process of like really being in silent and tuning into what my soul is calling me for created this skill that anytime I was faced with a situation or a crossroads in my life, I was able to sit there and say, hmm, what is my best next move? And not seek so much outward but really go inward. And that is so critical. It is so critical that if you really want to own your self-worth, if you really want to get to your next level, you have to tap into what is your soul calling for you. And it might sound a little woo-woo. I guess I'm comfortable there, but I'm also a big believer in prayer, in journaling, in getting out in nature. If you have to make a decision, you have to calm those mindset gremlins and you really have to tune into what is my next best move for me and what I can give to this world? I I hope I'm answering the question, but that's really how I went about it. It really started in silence and perfecting that skill so that I could really know, you know, those gut checks. Is this really something that's putting me on fire with with my life and, and helping me be the best version of me? So listen, I'm all, I'm all about mindset and you know, yeah, some people can say woo, but I am 1000% with you. And what I would say is, is that when you mentioned that concept of being in silence, there's a lot of people that are scared of that silence and the chat actually hearing the chatter in their mind. So I suppose there's, there's two parts to this question. Part A is what advice would you give to somebody who's struggling to sit in silence for even two to three minutes to try and extend that time out to 30, like you said, over time? Don't judge yourself. I was two seconds in and all of a sudden I had an itchy shoulder. I had, I had all these thoughts. Like you start feeling everything. And that's actually a good sign. That actually means that you are Mm. in your skin. So don't judge that as a bad thing. So I think as soon as we say, well, you have to sit in silence for five minutes, that's just (laughs) setting people up to fail. You sit in silence for as long as you can. And then maybe the next day it'll be more. Maybe the next day it'll be less than the first day. That's okay. You have to do you when it comes to this. As soon as you start judging yourself, it's going to be a chore and it's going to be aggravating And that's not what it's for. It's not what it's for. It's like, it's your time to really tune into what you need. It's like um, when you have a brand new baby or you just get married, it's not a chore to be with that baby or to be with your spouse. You, You love that time. It's the same thing. You want this to be precious time that you love to be alone in your skin with yourself. As soon as you start putting demands on it, it's going to be, well, you just won't do it. It'll just end. You'll stop doing it. See, that's really interesting. I've never, ever heard it being described that way, where actually you think about it like another being. Because people say, yeah, you need to be comfortable with yourself first. People always say that. That's, that's, a, that's an overused quote, I say. But the way you just put it is actually is actually amazing, where you wouldn't say, hey, I'm, I'm bored of my spouse. Well, some people might, but hey, that's another podcast episode. But you're actually treating <laughs> yourself. <laughs> yeah, it is, right? But you're actually treating yourself as your best friend or that person that you need to develop a good relationship with, which is awesome. Okay. So but part B to that question is, okay, so you're sitting in silence. You've got to say three minutes in and you're three weeks in and suddenly you get this gut check, which says you need to quit your job. 
June, Jan, Jamie, whoever's listening to this right now, you need to quit your job. How do you know if that gut check is your true inner voice or another voice trying to protect you from something or just another voice which is distracting you from the truth? How do you know it's the real inner voice, the real you speaking in that moment? I don't even know if you and I discussed this, but this is like amazing that you're asking me this question because I was a business coach. I had been business coaching for about six years at this point. And every yeah. June, my assistant would say, okay, we need to launch the conference, which then would lead to the pitch at the front of the room for the mastermind. And June came, this was 2019 and June came and she, uh, my assistant, Fabi was like, Hey, Mary, you know, you want me to get those emails ready to go? And, and I had one of those moments. I had one of those moments where I was like, hold off because I had my morning routine. And that morning, I remember writing in my journal that there was something off. There was a resistance I was feeling when it came to my business and I needed to explore it. Now, for me personally, that means, you know, God, I need you to show me what I'm not seeing, but I'm definitely feeling something. Don't know how to define it. I don't know what it is. I just know that there is a resistance there. And this is where it's really important to not make any like harsh or rash decisions. It's, it's really important to, <laughs> I love how my, my brother's wife always says, be where your feet are. You know, it's really important to be where your feet are or to be in your skin and be really present with yourself. Because if you're feeling resistance, it could be fear. It could be that, you know, good old imposter syndrome. We hear that word all the time as well. It could be a place that you've never traveled before. And so there's there's just that ego of like, who do you think you are? You can't do this. So I think it's really important to evaluate all of that. And I think where the big difference is, is when you have passion, you're on fire with it. And even though there's fear and that ego is telling you all the reasons that you can't do it, your passion's still on fire and you're, you're doing it anyway. But when you have resistance and it's overpowering your passion, you really have to pay attention to that because sometimes in life, and this is kind of a harsh statement, but it, it really, hopefully it hits home. Sometimes you have to let things die to bring other things to life. And that I realized after six weeks of journaling and praying, walking in nature, sitting in silence, I knew God was pushing me to something else. And I discussed it with my husband. I'm like, I, I don't think I'm going to launch the mastermind for 2020. And he was like, okay, well, you know, that's fine. Maybe, maybe it's a good time to take a break and reassess and thank God for his support. Right. Because he might've been like, no, 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 keep going, keep going. Cause my business was crushing. I had a full mastermind. I had a wonderful audience. I, I loved what I was doing technically, but there was resistance and I had to pay attention to that. And this is one of those mm. things where sometimes it's important to say no to something in order to really see your self-worth. That's another thing. We think saying yes, yeah. but sometimes you need to say no. And so it was probably September of that year where I finally said, you know what? I need to let this die because there's something waiting for me. There's something else waiting for me. <laughs> it's amazing because when that year's mastermind ended, I thought I would feel so sad because my next one wasn't going to start in January. But when January, I think it was like the 15th or 14th came when the new mastermind would have kicked off. I was like, that feels relieved. Good. Really? I was okay. relieved. I was, yeah. I was like, yeah, I made, it was so affirming. I made the right decision. And I'll tell you, God works in mysterious ways always. And there are no coincidences. I truly believe my mother-in-law ended up getting really, really sick. And I was able to take her in and care for her and get her strong for three months. And I had that time with her. And it's just, when I look back at it, I'm like, oh my gosh, like it was yeah. between, you know, God working his magic, me paying attention, right? Because I was connected with my soul. So I was, I was okay to listen to what my soul was calling for me. And then I had that opportunity, that opportunity to spend that time with her before she passed. So- yeah, that's amazing. You speak about the concept of resistance. And I think I the best way to probably describe it is a hustle culture, you know, quote unquote, hustle culture will mm -hmm. say, doesn't matter how you feel, 
push through it anyway. And I think, look, this is my perspective anyway. There's listening to the resistance is arguably a guide. It guides me. I'm like, why am I resistant towards this? And I felt the same, by the way, certain products in my business where I've gone, "Mm, this felt right three months ago, six months ago. Why does this not feel right Mm. anymore? And actually being able to sit in stillness is the hardest thing to do because we're taught to go, 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 go in society. If you're not going, then you're Mm -hmm. unproductive, right? And it's that story that we tell ourselves. So fascinating. I really connect with that. Now, you mentioned about being in stillness and listening to the resistance. So step one, for those of you listening to this right now, that Mary Alice was talking about when it comes to really owning your self-worth. And we're going to get to the charging the premium prices. Uh, don't you worry. Yeah, right? yeah. But yeah, we're, we're going to get there, I promise you. But the step one was really having that turning point and spark, realizing that you are now at a point where you want to transform into the next version of you. And then it's about sitting in stillness and really learning to listen to your thoughts, feelings, and body. But then you said something interesting about, okay, realizing that what you don't want and what you do want and moving towards that in a way that's authentic to you versus listening to somebody else's timeline. But here's what I'm curious about. Say if Jane, Jamie or June, who we spoke about earlier, (laughs) let's say they now go, okay, I know I want to go and do X, but the current version of Jamie, June and Jane doesn't have the skill set or mindset to get there. So you know what you want, but you're like, man, how do I get there? And I have a feeling I know what you're going to say, but then how do you recruit those skills? How do you actually engage in that transformation? What did you do from your experience? This is the hardest part, right? This this is the differentiator. You have to learn from people who are ahead of you. And there are people who are one step ahead of you and 10,000 steps ahead of you. And then there's those people who are behind you. The personal development books, the workshops, the conferences, and then also having that morning routine. All of those things Mm. is what really helped me not only take action, but also always be in some level of clarity, whether it was good or Mm -hmm. bad, right? Clarity of like, Mm -hmm. man, you just bomb that. You just bomb that, you know? So, but right? Like, you know, because clarity around failure is really important and failure is an awesome thing. Like we're so afraid to fail, but geez, it's going to give you the best lessons of your life and help you build that Mm. thick skin to move Mm. forward in a a way where you're like, I never want to feel that way again. So I'm never going to do that again. But, um, you know, that clarity is really key. So I would say for anyone who's sitting there going, I want to be like that person. I'm just not there yet. Well, hey, kudos to you that you know that. But now, what does that person always talk about? Or what books do they recommend? You have to do the work. You have to do the work. Nothing great comes easy. Nothing. And so it's going to be a little messy in the beginning. It's going to be a little difficult. It is definitely an uphill climb. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. We've all heard that. And it's so true. But you have to put the time in taking care of you and your mind and really working on your mindset. If, if Especially if you're struggling with money mindset, that is something, get in a course, get in a book, look at your bank account every day. I don't care what it is that you need to do. But if you're going to ask for premium prices, you need to get right with your money. Jensen Ciro's book, what's it called? You're a badass at making money. Is that the one? You, do you know which yeah, one? Yeah, great book. It, yeah. yeah, it's yep, a good book. Yep, I read that a couple of years ago. Book. I was like, this is dope. I saw her it's in a person. good book. She's hysterical. Yeah, it's a great book. Really? Yeah, yeah. So, she came to Philadelphia. I went to see her. She's, uh, she's hysterical. Great story. I bet I can tell from her book, the personality. I mean, even the book's name. <laughs> to really name it that you, you got to have a little something about you so okay jane june and jamie find two mentors there's one mm-hmm. who's two steps ahead of them and there's one that is 20 who do they go to the person that is just a little bit ahead of them but they may surpass them quite quickly in terms of what they view as success and this other person is way ahead of them where arguably what they're doing and their strategies are so advanced that ah will it really work for them who do they choose 
Yeah, that's a that's a great point. And I, I do caution against that, right? Because it's kind of like, um, you know, my husband works for corporate. If I go to him with an idea for entrepreneurship, I might get great feedback, but maybe not the best advice because we're just in totally different zones when it comes to that, mm. right? So the same thing with these mentors. You know, you go to, you know, this this big mentor who you probably won't even get time with because they're so busy. You'll probably get one of their coaches. So there's that. So I think you really need to evaluate a couple of things. How much one-on-one do you want with your mentor? And I think if you're just starting out, you want a lot. You definitely want to be face-to-face with your mentor. Ravi, you and I know the power of coaching. We get on our coaching calls. They're powerful. And so when you're just starting out, you don't need to know about, quote-unquote, the business. You need to know about you in that business. Where do you fit in? What's your message? What's your strategies, your, your uh, systems, all of that. Sometimes when you go to somebody who's so far ahead of you, you kind of learn these cookie cutter systems and operations. But I think if you're just starting out, it's really important that you have someone that's holding the space for you and they're customizing your business with you. That's how I would go about it. You know, sometimes it's, it's great to, to admire them, to learn from them. But if you can't even have access to them or they're just like, go to my portal and learn my system. If you have any questions, ask one of the coaches. I would caution against that for someone who's super Mm. new. That's a good point. And I think there is a problem of, I heard this term many years ago. It's not mine, but I love it. It's infobesity where Mm. you can get a lot of access to information for free. You can get a lot of access to eBooks, to books, but I can't speak for anybody else, but for me, I consistently invest in myself. And the thing that helps me is quite simply, when I pay more money, I am more focused and pay more attention. And the way I take it to is if there's a virtual trading game and they give you five coins worth $50 for free to go and trade in the stock market, are you going to take that seriously? Or if you go put $1,000 to your name, you're going to do way more research. You've got skin in the game and you treat it differently. I can't say that's true for everything and everyone because I've got tons of value from different people in different ways where it's been free or whatnot. But in general, what I find about me is, is that when I pay more money, I'm more focused and pay more attention. But um, I like that point. I like that point. So, okay, for you, you found that path. You decided not to launch the mastermind, but you mentioned something interesting that you were charging $15,000 for these women a year to ultimately help them grow their fitness businesses and you were sold out. But I'm curious, when you first said the words, hey, by the way, that's $15,000. What was going through your head? When you first quoted that price point, I'd love to understand how that felt. Was there imposter syndrome? And ultimately, what did you do to truly command those fees over time? Yeah. I mean, that took a long time to say that number, a long time and a lot of work. A lot of a lot of money mindset work. I did a lot of um, I did a couple of different programs around money, and that became part of my. I'll tell you the best thing I started doing. It's crazy, but it's such a simple thing. I started opening my bank account every day, and no matter how much money was in there, I was just like, I'm so grateful you're in there, and I just got really grateful for the money that was in my bank account. Like that one thing. It made me aware of the money I had, right? And and I've I've always admitted I'm not a, I'm not a numbers girl. I'm not a math girl. I'm not a money girl. Like uh, nah, I'd I'd rather hear your emotions all day, every day. But it really helped me get in tune with I have money, right? A lot of us walk around saying I don't have enough money. I don't have enough money. That alone will warp your brain around money. Stop saying that. If you just stop saying that. And just turn it into, I have more than enough money. Because in this moment, if you could feed yourself and put a, put, you know, a, a jacket on your back, if you could listen to this podcast because you had he- headphones or an iPhone or a cell phone, you have more than enough money right now. So just changing your language around money. And that was another thing I did. So just looking at my bank account and catching myself on how I spoke about my money. I would never speak about my children the way I spoke about money. 
right? So just flipping that. Now, just a little background. I'm the youngest of seven children, huge family. Money didn't grow on trees at the Cassidy house. (laughs) That was just the bottom line. And so we also have to remember what's the messages that you downloaded as a little child? What was mom saying about money? What was dad saying about money? Because if you think you didn't walk away with that message, you're so wrong. You're so wrong. And so really pay attention. And that was one of the exercises I had to do. When you were a little girl, what's one story that you could remember about your dad when it came to money? What's one story you could remember about your mom when it came to money? And that was like, man, oh my gosh, I see how I'm totally letting that be who I am today. The beauty is our parents do the best that they can with what they have. Our responsibility is to do the best we can with what we have. And because we have such access to so much information, we absolutely 100% can do better. And so I made that my responsibility to do better when it came to money, to be responsible, to be respectful, and to be appreciative of it. And that really changed everything for me. The other thing is self-worth. I knew that as a coach, I gave my all. I did everything I could for my clients within boundaries. I did not half-ass things. Hopefully I could say that when it came to my programs. You you (laughs) can say that, don't worry, yeah. (laughs) And um, I knew that anyone who invested in me was making a really good decision for themselves and their business. And I had to own that. And so I wasn't the cookie cutter $2,500 coaching program that when you purchased and they promised you were gonna be with 20 people and you showed up and there was 150 people, that wasn't who I was. When I promised 20 women in a mastermind, it was no more than 20 women in a mastermind. And so I had to start tuning into these things. And I'll tell you, on a less emotional level and a more strategic level, do your market research. Why are you pricing your products the way that you're pricing them? And who else has something similar and are pricing them for what they're pricing? You will be mind blown mind blown when you realize you're either charging too much or too little. And that's what I realized. I was charging way too little. I was giving way too much and I needed to have those things come into alignment. And that's when I went from charging $2,500 for coaching to up to 15,000. Again, it was a gradual thing. I, I didn't do this overnight, but to your bigger question of when I said, awesome. So are you on board? And they're like, yeah, I'm like, awesome. Okay. That's 15,000. And this is how you could pay for it. It came very confidently. I didn't have imposter syndrome around it because I spent so much time on those discovery calls, discovering the need of this person, discovering their dreams and discovering what their life would be if they worked with me and I helped them achieve those things. And you really can't put a price tag on that. You can't put a price tag on someone saying, I could literally be out of debt, pay all my college loans and buy a home if I achieve what I want to achieve. Well, let's go. Let's do it, you know? Yeah. So when I got to that place of charging those that, that premium price, everything was in alignment. So it felt really good, actually. And when I got a yes, it felt even better. It just, to your point, it solidifies the relationship. It takes it to a next, a higher level for the person investing and for the person who's coaching or receiving that money. I want to dig deep into the tactical of the first time that you said that price to ultimately charging it, maybe three things that people could do. I want to hold that for just a second though. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious to know, do you think it's different for people like you who are the face of their business, the entrepreneur, the CEO, the CFO wearing a lot of these different hats Do you think it's different for them versus for the salesperson who's maybe working for a SaaS company and is one of a hundred employees? They don't set the prices. They just get given these different products and have to find the right client for the right product. And ultimately they're saying, oh yeah, it's a hundred thousand dollars. Do you think there's a difference between the two in terms of the emotions that come up with regards to money? Yeah, because I do. I do only because as the entrepreneur, you are wearing all the hats and ultimately- all the all the stats come back to you, right? Where if I'm in a SaaS company or I'm selling a product for, let's say, L'Oreal, I could say, well, I don't know who put this hair product together. I would never have done it that way. 
you know, but somebody thinks it's, it's viable. So you have an emotional connection from the birth of the product all the way to the sale of the product. So it's a little, little different. I think also this point drives just because somebody says no to your program or offer in that moment, it doesn't mean they're saying no to you. Actually, nine times out of 10, they're saying no to themselves and it's a self-worth issue. So be really careful with that because I think sometimes we can get tripped up with, oh my gosh, I keep getting all these no's. You are going to get a lot of no's. You are absolutely going to get a lot of no's, but that's okay because we have to remember not everybody is meant for us and we are not meant for everyone. And there are times where people aren't ready, kind of going back to our conversation before, we're so far ahead of them that they're just, they don't see the value because they just feel like they have to catch up a little bit in order to work with you. So don't get too tripped up on the nose. Stay very focused on who you are, what you're providing, the impact you're making, and move on. Next. Next one. Don't get too caught up in that. I love that. It's easy to say, oh, is it me? Am I overpricing suddenly? I'm going to discount the prices. So really, really interesting. Now, okay, so you mentioned one thing. You said do market research, really figure out your positioning. Are you charging too little and giving away too much and not charging enough for that value and transformation? So you've done the market research. What are two other things that you did to eliminate that imposter syndrome over time? Well, I think too, it's experience, right? When you're seeing your clients crushing it, you know, you have these health Mm. and fitness professionals coming to you, they're struggling, they can't get anyone to sign up. And the next thing you know, they crush a five figure month and they're just like, oh my gosh, you know, that definitely gives you the confidence. I'm not going to lie. So having some, some clients under your belt, seeing the impact and the influence you do have, um, watching their self-worth grow all because of the the um, resources, the content, the coaching that you're providing, that's huge. Mm. That that's just that's priceless for the coach or the entrepreneur because they then they can really back up their pricing. So I would say that. So if you don't have any clients under your right. belt, because you know that's going to be the next question, but I don't have anybody under my belt. Well then yeah. do your market research. And if people are charging five thousand, why not charge three thousand to get those clients under your belt? So that they could be like mind blown that everybody else is charging 5K and you're giving so much more for just 3K. Now you have ambassadors who are going to go out there and talk for you and promote you and you'll build your business much faster. Again, this is a marathon, not a sprint. So that'll do two things. It'll build your business, word of mouth, and it'll also give you that, what do they say? Chutzpah. <laughs> Where you're like, Damn, I'm good at this. What's that? <laughs> I've never I think heard it's a that. Oh, really? That's cool. <laughs> I know. Never heard that. Um, never, never heard that. Yeah. So it'll it'll give you that like that that uh, confidence to be like, I'm really good at this. And then you're going to say, you know what? I'm going to bypass five thousand. I'm going to go. I'm going to take on less clients because that's the other thing, Robbie. We forget money and time are actually the same emotion. If I give you my time, that's like giving my money away too. It's, the same, it's really the same thing. Those are the two biggest things. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. We hear it all the time. I don't have enough yeah. time. I don't have enough money. Yeah. But we have to also respect and honor who we are as people. You have to start making these decisions. And this is another reason why I bumped my prices up because I said, I want to work with less people, have a greater impact and influence, but still make more money. So how do you do that? You charge more. You charge more. So, and it still protects your time as a human being, as a wife, as a mother, as a husband, as a father. And that's important too. So I always say to people, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Money's great. Money's great. Don't get me wrong. But if it's ruining relationships around you, it's not worth it. So that could be another pivotal time where you start looking and saying, you know what? I've had some success. It's time to bump up my prices. I want to start protecting my time a little bit more. So I'm going to charge double. I'm going to take on less clients. That's another thing to think about. Results, results, results. I think that was an Ice Cube quote, wasn't it? Don't check yourself before you wreck yourself. Is it? Is it Ice yeah, Cube? I, so. I don't know. It sounded good. <laughs> it sounded good. I see it yeah. all the time. I love it. <laughs> I love that. So for those who've been with us, and we're entering the final leg of this episode, but for those who are with us, ultimately, It's about a journey 
And that journey starts with that turning point, realizing that I'm ready to move to a different vision and then figuring out, okay, how am I going to do that? What is it? All that noise. Well, quietening your mind was step one, Mary Alice spoke about quietening the mind and being able to sit in stillness, which is difficult, Mm -hmm. man, difficult. And then number two was, okay, being able to figure out what are you resistant towards? What lights you up? When you figure out what lights you up, if that's way out of your reach, well, who do you know that's a few steps ahead of you that has been there, done that, and achieved results that you desire who can support you, who can really support you? And be careful who you choose. you got to connect with them, and you've also yeah. got to know that they've got the ability to generate results. And then once you're getting these results, you're getting some success, and you decide to raise your prices, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. You got to go for another mm-hmm. level up. You know what I'm saying? You got to go for another level up. And what Mary Alice spoke about there, and I will get her final tip because I said three tips. The first tip <laughs> was uh, all about ultimately being able to do market research and know where you stand in the marketplace. Number two was ultimately realizing, well, what lifestyle do you want to lead? Because, mm-hmm. you know, time is more important than money. And you said there, you know, when it comes to the energy, it's very, very interesting how much do you want to give to one person? Do you truly want to impact this one person at a high level? Or do you want to serve 50 people? It's all about ultimately what's right for you. And then when it comes to the final tip, what I really want to extract from here, Mary Alice, is from a communication standpoint, when you say that number, million, when you say those words, what is one mistake that entrepreneurs and salespeople make the moment they've said their price? One mistake. Ooh, good question. And I have to answer it a little long, not long, long, long winded, just, but, but I have to say the mistake is they haven't extrapolated what's the biggest pain of the client or the person that's looking to seek out their services. So they don't know the pain. They're not speaking to the pain. They're not painting the picture of the transformation. If somebody gives you $5 for a tripwire, they will give you $15,000. Look it up. It's fact. It's, that's why people do tripwires because they're, they're weighing their market. Let me give a tripwire, see who pays, and then let me evaluate from that tripwire, how many $15,000 people do I get? And I'll tell you right now, anyone who gives you five will give you 15. And here's why. Because they're seeing something in you that answers something in them, what's in it for me. And whatever they're going to bed with at night and waking up with on the, in the morning as a pain point, if you can promise to solve it and have proven to solve it through past clients, it will be a yes every single time. So the mistake isn't in the quote of the price. The mistake is in the journey of the sales and discovery call conversation. And this is definitely more mm. towards consulting consultants. But this is also the same thing with your copy on a sales page. Robbie, we were talking about this the other day. I jump on your sales Mm. page and it starts with 15 questions. I am gone. I'm gone because Mm. now you're making me think more. I just want you to take command and and tell me you're going to solve my stuff. Then I'll stay Mm. and I'll buy. So it's less about the quote of the price. And it's more about when you get to the quote of the price, are they sitting there saying, Hell yeah. I can't say no to this. And that's why I would never quote a price until I said, Hey, Ravi, are you a hell yes? And if you were like, well, I got to talk to my wife. I got to do this. I I wouldn't even quote you the price. I needed to Mm. know that you were just as invested as I was because I was. Mm -hmm. And then we would talk price. So that's, that's the bigger problem. If you're quoting the price before you, you've answered the question, what's in it for me, you're probably going to get more no's than yeses. There's a point that you mentioned there, which I I need you to explain to the audience because it was powerful when we spoke about it. So no need to mention a name of the individual whose sales page you looked at, but you looked at this individual sales page and you saw that they were writing about 15, 20 questions to try and um, grab their prospect's attention. What did you advise them to do and why? Just because I love this. Our copy is an opportunity to build trust and you have to be in control. When I come to your sales page and I'm about to invest in whatever you're selling, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be five or $5,000 or more. I want to know that whoever I'm giving my money to knows what the heck they're doing. 
And if you're asking me a ton of questions and you're not commanding authority and expertise on that sales page, most of the people are going to bounce. I think we have three seconds now to grab people's attention. So how do you want to grab them? Do you want to grab them with asking a bunch of questions that they may not even be asking themselves? You have to be really careful when you start getting specific in nature in your copy with questions like, are you sitting on your couch eating popcorn, thinking about how you want to make more sales? No, a lot of people aren't doing that. They're in their office hustling. They're not eating popcorn. They're not thinking they're doing. So, <laughs> you got Next time you guys read something, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I know what that lady was talking about. You know, because <laughs> yeah. we, we, we ain't mentioning names up in here. We're not mentioning <laughs> names. Yeah. You try to get so specific, get out of that and command authority, be the expert. And so instead of asking a question, are you eating popcorn and wanting, wishing to make more sales? Own it and say, you're in the right place if you want to make more sales. And popcorn comes on the side. No, don't say that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So that. it's really, really important. If you're going to be the expert, be the expert. Listen to this episode again, man. It was uh, some golden tips there. But before we head out, Mary Alice, when it comes to influential communication, who do you look up to? Who do you look up to as somebody who's an influential communicator and why? You got me on the spot here. Influential. You know what? Ash, I'm going to say my fabulous boss who I have. An- that was another gift of me retiring as a, as a business coach. I took an opportunity with the director as the director of student success at the speaker lab. And I am so impressed with his leadership skills. Grant Baldwin owner of the speaker yeah. lab. And this is not some like, you know, terrible plug. It's, it's legit. And I have actually said to him, you should, you should write a book on culture and leadership because the communication and the influence and the impact he makes on all of us, his entire team on a daily basis is really impressive. And it's, it's, uh, it's actually a beautiful thing to be a part of. It's very impressive. Impact, impact, impact. I, lo- I love that. Mary Alice, where can people learn more about you, check out what you're up to and gain more of your wisdom? Yeah. I mean, right now I have a LinkedIn profile, but that's about it. I went, uh, I went underground after I uh, <laughs> closed my coaching business. You could always come and check me out at the Speaker Lab. We'd love to have you there. Uh, but right now I'm just, uh, just LinkedIn, which is, which is kind of nice to not have to manage that. I hope all of you listening today have gotten some value out of today's episode. I'll see you next week. Peace. Oh, okay. Okay. Hold on. So you thought that this was the part of the show where I say something like, okay, ladies and gentlemen, if you did enjoy the show, then please drop us a review and do share it with a friend. Well, I'll tell you what, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to be predictable here. Okay. Do share it with a friend and do drop us a review. If you got some value from today's episode. Okay. So if you want to impact people, remember you need to learn how to influence them first.